Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you're joining us. We are currently in our summer chat series. We are taking different topics all summer to help build a biblical worldview, and today we are talking about raising kids that follow Jesus. Well, good morning, and this morning we are going to spend some time in the first half of Deuteronomy 6. And so if you have a chance, you can pause this, you can get your Bible, you can open up your, your app on your phone, or you can just listen because I'm going to read it. But I want to catch us up to what is happening because Deuteronomy 6 is a great launch pad for us to look at on how we are to parent with intentionality in our faith. So Moses had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and the generation that he was traveling with of the children of Israel would not see the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy, we see Moses reviewing the covenant with the new generation in hopes that they will learn from their ancestors' mistakes. They are about to possess the land. Moses is sharing about the rebellion of the past And in chapter 6, this seems to be a centerpiece of the sermons from chapter 1 to 11. So it starts in verse 1 saying, This is the command, the statutes and ordinances, the Lord God has instructed me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Verse 2, Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all of the days of your life, By keeping all of his statutes and commands I am giving you, your sons and your grandsons, so that you may have long life. Verse 3, listen Israel and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply, multiply greatly because of Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. So here in these first three verses, God is getting ready and getting them to pre- prepared to understand all of the ordinances, all of the laws, all of the commands by summarizing it up into one school of thought. He also is giving a promise of long life if they obey. If they obey God's ways, He is saying that this is the safest, most prosperous way for you to live. And if you're careful to do it, you're going to prosper and multiply in the land. And I'm giving you a land that is flowing with milk and honey. This is always, this is always kind of a funny thing to me, even as a child, when I would hear these stories and learn that the children of Israel were promised this land that flows with milk and honey. All that is, is an ancient way of saying the land's very fertile. It's flowing with milk because the animals on it are allowed to graze um, because there is more to graze in this land. And so they produce more milk and the honey comes from the dates. So there's more of a um, a, a luxury uh, fruit and, and things that grow there than just the rest of the hot, hot desert. Remember, they're living in a desert region. So they're about to enter this land. This next section is a famous passage known as the Shema, and it really has become a daily prayer for the Jews. And it starts off in verse 4 saying, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
So this word, listen, the, the actual translation is Shema. And it means more than just telling the audience to hear. It means to respond and to obey. And in verse five, we already read that he is commanding them to love God with all their heart, soul, and strength. This love is more than what it means to us. To Americans, it means feeling or emotion. This word to a Jew means to be fully devoted with all of your mind, will, and emotions. So what this passage is saying is that when we listen and love, or in other words, when we respond and obey with all of our mind, will, and emotion, he shows the world who he is. He gets glorified. When we love him properly, then all the other things that he's asking and commanding just comes naturally. When we abide in him, we give, we serve, we worship, and we love others well. It's just a natural fruit of walking in the spirit. So the last thing he said is the Lord is one. They were about to go into a land where there were all different gods being worshiped. Moses's view was that the worship of these little G gods degrades humans and destroys communities. These gods required the most heinous forms of worship that included, and this is going to be rated PG-13, so I'm going to give you a second if you have little ears around, but the forms of worship of these little G gods included sexual orgies, bestiality, and child sacrifice. There was a different God for everything that they wanted. There was a God for war, for fertile land, for rain. And Moses was telling his children not to worship the gods of this land. They will lead to death and destruction. There is one true God and he must be worshiped alone. Now here we are going into verse six and this is really the heart of what we're gonna be talking about today as far as passing our faith on to our kids. In verse six, it says these words I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in the house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hands and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So this is where we're going to sit today. We are to repeat God's laws and ordinances, his way, his word. We are repeat them. And I started thinking, how can we repeat something that we don't know? As parents, we have to know what the word of God says. And when we take time to get with God early in the morning and just spend some time with him, and it doesn't even have to be an hour. It can be an hour. It can be 10 minutes. But when we take time, We focus on opening up his word and knowing it and studying it, even if it was three verses that we just dug into, and we take notes on it, or we write a here journal on it, I promise you, you will have plenty of material to pass on to your kids. Even if you feel like you're on a kindergarten level, you know more than they do, and God will speak to you, and you can pass that on. Remember, in verse one of this section, it says that Moses was teaching the instructions to the to, Moses was teaching God's instructions to the children of Israel. He wasn't just barking them out, saying, "God said you better do this or else." He was teaching them how to obey, showing them what that looked like, and then including the why. We must train our kids and 
in order to train them, we have to exercise patience and remember that we are called to have many teaching moments along the way. In fact, just to review, Moses is saying that we are to talk to our kids when we sit in the house, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. Basically, all throughout our common efforts throughout the day, we are supposed to impart our faith. One thing that I want to mention is more is caught than taught just by observing you. So you can tell your kids all day long how to live, but they are actually watching how you live. Remember last episode that the disciple would watch every movement of the rabbi, how he ate, how he walked, how he talked, how he interacted with others. So the rabbi was teaching them what the word of God said, but the actual disciple was learning so much more just by following him for the next three years of his life. And so the same thing with our kids. Don't just say it. Don't just give them instructions and say, do it because I said so. We have to live it out. We have to live it out and teach the why. Let me give you an example of this. I learned why purity was so important to God when I was in Bible school in my 20s. We had a guest speaker and he was teaching on blood covenant and then he tied in marriage to this. And I literally sat there mind blown and thought, why are we never taught this? We need to know the why. We're just told we are not, God doesn't want you to have sex before marriage. But I was never taught the why. And I think so many young people would have a reason to stay pure if they knew the why. So this morning, I'm going to give you a brief overview of what blood covenant was in the Bible. Blood covenant was an ancient practice used in the ancient world by our God in the Bible. There would be five bloody animal carcasses on the ground. Three of them would be split in half, and they would be separated a short distance from each other. And each person that was entering the covenant would walk between the animals that were split, and this would bind their agreement. A covenant is a kind of promise, a binding agreement between two parties, and the type of ritual was done to seal the promise made. A blood covenant communicated self-maledictory oath. I'd never heard of that, but that means that you are willing to keep your promise unto death. You, as It's as if you were saying, may it be done to me what was done to these animals if I don't keep my end of the bargain. God designed us to form a blood covenant when we marry. At the consummation of your marriage, that's your honeymoon night, there is a shedding of blood if the woman is still a virgin, and that is designed by God. So the very first time a couple is together, they are sealing the promise they made to each other in the marriage ceremony, signifying, may it be done to me, as it was done to these animals. That's what it's a picture of if I break my covenant. This is beautiful by design, and it is a powerful way that we can feel connected to someone and safely connected that they are committed to us forever. So doesn't it make sense that Satan would want to destroy this and pervert the sexual experience that God has given us? So we need to keep teach our kids the why. This is going to make so much more sense than just saying, don't have sex before you're married because God said so. Here we see that conversation should be happening every day as we go about our day. Seize every moment to teach them. 
I promise you, the world is seizing every moment to teach them their way through music, through TV, through social media, through other people. And so we have to seize every moment to have these conversations. You don't have to make it a big deal and announce that this is going to be a Bible lesson. It is just showing in life where the world is saying one thing, but that contradicts with our biblically-based values. We don't have to jump all over kids and make them feel like they're getting in trouble. We can do this in a lighthearted teaching moment. And sometimes I even preface it with, hey, I need to talk to you about this. You're not in trouble. I'm just teaching you. Um, For example, last week, we were going out of the mall, I think, or we were somewhere in public, and Salem just let the door slam on someone's face. And so I just pulled her over and said, hey, this is a teaching moment. I need you to be aware of something. And I talked to her about it. Or, um, And I know that that isn't contradicting um, the world's view, but I'm just saying that sometimes whenever we go to correct our kids, we don't want to have a tone that they are in trouble because they don't know. That's what teaching them is about. It's like, hey, I saw that you do this. Let me teach you about that. So let me give you a latest example. Um, My kids recently got into the band One Direction. I know they're late to the game. Um, And these, these tunes are really catchy. I've enjoyed getting to know some of these songs too. But the other day I heard a song and I was listening to the words. And it's one of their most catchy ones. And the song is Baby, I'm Perfect for You. And here are some of the lyrics. It says, but if you like causing trouble, open hotel rooms. And if you like having secret little rendezvous, if you like to do the things that you know we shouldn't do, then baby, I'm perfect for you. And I thought, wow, some of you might think, oh, it's just a song. But it is not just a song. Songs have power. Songs have the power to crumple the walls of Jericho. God literally used worship to destroy the walls. God's word also says that there's power in our words. And we know that there's power behind music. There's supernatural power. So, of course, Satan is going to use this too, to have a catchy little song with a catchy little tune. And he's going to have lyrics like this. And so whenever I, I listened to these, I paused it and was like, girls, listen to the behavior Let's listen to the words. Let's talk about this. Does this please God? Does this please the heart of God? And of course they said no. And I said, well, one day you're going to be have free will to make this choice. And you're going to have to go by what pleases you or what pleases God. And do you know what dictates which path you'll choose? How much time you're spending with God. If we're not in our word every day or most of our days, then it's going to be very easy to fulfill our flesh and we are going to want to live out the lyrics to this song. We call these spontaneous talks God moments. It's moments that you look for in your day to impart your faith. It's when you walk, drive, sit, lay, or hang out on the swing late at night. Another intentional thing that we do in our family is have a family faith talk night. It's important for fa- for kids of all ages. So hear me out. My sister-in-law has a married son, and he and his wife still go to their family nights once a week. So this is an intentional time that you have a message that you are going, when I say a message, a lesson. A message sounds like long and boring. We want to do a little fun lesson for our kids no matter what age. So if you plan to do one a week, that's 52 intentional lessons a year. But let's be 
real. And let's be honest, most of us are not that structured and disciplined. So let's say that our goal is one a week, but we actually only accomplish one every other week. That is still 26 intentional talks about your faith that you've imparted to your kids. So this is what it looks like for us. We pick the same night. So we look at our semester and say, oh, you know what? Sunday nights are going to work for us. We don't have anything on that night. And so every Sunday night, our goal and our intention is to have a family fun night, a family faith night, and we protect it. We don't schedule things on that day. This is a night that we're going to eat our family favorites. It's not the night that you're going to fight with your kids about eating their sweet peas. Please, we're going to make this fun. We're going to make it memorable. There's going to be fun food in the process. We even want to pick how we eat it together to make that fun. So maybe we'll go to the park or maybe we'll sit in the living room picnic style. Just make it different. Maybe you sit outside or if this is something unique to you, maybe you sit around the table all together. Um, it just depends on what age your kids are and how this looks. Then after you eat, you're going to have a pre-planned talk about Jesus. This can be a conversation that you have from purchasing a devotional. It can be a kid's Bible with activities like the Pray and Play Bible. At this point in the segment, I'm going to start listing some really good resources. So you might want to take out a pen and take some notes. So for young kids, the Pray and Play Bible has a Bible story, and then afterwards it has songs and art projects and all different kinds of things for you to do with that Bible story. The D6 app, D6 stands for Deuteronomy 6, which that was the passage that we spoke from this morning. D6 has an app, and they have all kinds of conversation starters, faith talks, um, lessons, all kinds of wealth of things that you can get from that app. Also for young kids, and I'm talking elementary age, they have a website called kidsofintegrity.com and there is a wealth of lessons. Um, let's say you want to do one on unforgiveness. There is so much stuff on there that you could spend a month just talking about that topic. When the kids get older, for example, my kids are going to fifth into seventh grade. And what we have moved to is um, something like actually just reading a passage of scripture. We went through Ruth a while back and we would just read part of a section of Ruth. Um, sometimes, most of the time, I keep it shorter than one whole chapter. It might just be from a, the subtitle to the subtitle. And we read a little bit and we talk about it and I ask questions and they are learning how to read their Bible this way. This really can be anything. There was another book that is great even for middle school kids um, that I was going to pull and I forgot to, but I will post that later. And it's about, it has crazy experiments and illustrations that you can do with your kids and also has a lesson. So what the last thing that we include is doing an activity together after the lesson. Again, depending on the age of your kids, this can be an art project, sidewalk chalk, um, going on a golf cart ride, doing an obstacle course, playing tag, going on a walk, playing a board game, playing the Oculus. Just do something that builds heart connection within your family. Jewish families have practiced what we're talking about, this family faith night for thousands of years. They call it their weekly Shabbat meals. This is their weekly Sabbath meals in their culture from sun down on Friday night to sun down on Saturday, 
they practice Sabbath, but there is a meal that they incorporate in it. And in that meal, they are telling stories of old, incorporating their faith, teaching their kids their why, and even incorporating games into the lesson. So as we end today, I do want to talk a bit about this word heart connection. It's the most vital part of laying a solid biblical foundation into our kids' lives. Many times I hear stories from people who have rebelled because their parents were too strict and shoved Jesus down their throats. So they don't want to do that with their kids. And they end up being very passive, almost too passive, out of fear of also having rebellious kids. I always ask in return, did you have a heart connection with your parents? And it makes this makes all the difference. And while they might not know the exact meaning of what heart connection is, 100% of the time, they have quickly answered no. They know that whatever heart connection is, it wasn't in their home. I've yet to have a person tell me they rebelled, didn't like what their parents did, but tell me that they had a heart connection. So psychologists say that there are four types of parenting. And we're going to talk about two of these styles. Two of the styles are passive. We're not going to be talking about that. We're talking about parents that are intentional and they are active in their their kids' um, formation. One of them is negative and one is positive. So the authoritarian parent, authoritarian, that is the ones that I would say are probable when they shove Jesus down their kids' throats and their kids do not have a heart connection with them. Do any of these states, statements sound like you? You believe that kids should be seen and not heard. I can remember a friend of mine telling me that she was never allowed to sing in the car growing up. And she had this beautiful voice, but she never used it because that was, um, that, that, uh, that his reaction left a mark on her. So do you think kids should be seen, not heard? When it comes to rules, do you believe it's my way or the highway? Do you not consider your child's feelings when correcting them? Authoritarian parents use punishment instead of discipline. So rather than teaching their child how to make better choices, they're just interested in their child feeling sorry for their mistakes. The kids tend to obey out of fear. Our job isn't to scare our kids into following rules. It's to shape and develop them and so that and who they are on the inside so that they want to follow and obey God even long after you're around. That is our goal. So what we want to be is the authoritative parent. The negative one is the authoritarian. The positive one is the authoritative. Do these sound, these statements sound like you? You put a lot of effort into creating and maintaining a positive relationship with your child. You explain the reasons behind your rules. You enforce rules and give consequences, but you do take the child's feelings into consideration. Authoritative parenting and Parents invest time and energy into preventing behavior before it even starts. They also use positive discipline strategies to reinforce positive behavior, like a praise and reward system. Newly's favorite phrase is what gets celebrated gets repeated. So when you see your child um, serving others or loving other people well or sharing or whatever it is, praise them. Give them... um, Positive feedback, because what gets celebrated will get repeated. 
Researchers have found that kids who have authoritative parents are most likely to become responsible adults who feel comfortable expressing their own opinions. Children raised with authoritative discipline tend to be happy and successful. They're more likely to make good decisions and evaluate safety risk on their own. These parents let their children have conversations about decisions without it always being a black and white answer. But this takes training. It must be done with respect. And let me give you an example of what, you're, what we're talking about. My 11-year-old loves all things ear piercing. And she's really wanting to get her cartilage pierced. And there's all different things that I don't even know what they're called. But she loves it. And I think culture typically says you need to wait. I know a lot of people want their kids to be older before they even get a second piercing. Well, she takes care of her ears and she's responsible for that. And she wanted, she wants to get, you know, some more piercings and at first newly said no, but he does allow our kids within the right structure, right environment to plea their case. And this takes some training, but it also is going to be a good tool for them to know forever. Well, this in this case, before um, she pled her case, I went to him privately and I said, you know what, we, we are already going to say no to so many things just simply because the world does things different than we do. And so let's start saying yes when things don't matter for eternity. I personally don't care if she has 800 holes in her ears. That doesn't matter for eternity. We're going to say no to so many other things. Let's say yes. And he agreed. But what I'm trying to say is she is allowed to present her case with respect. But we also have to train her that when we make our final decision, that is our final decision. There have been times where Newly has allowed them to convince him to change, but he knew all along there was no way he was budging on particular issues. The authoritative parent spends time building heart connection with their children. And a heart connection is a loving, supportive, emotional connection with our kids. This is how we do this. It's the four L's. We have to listen. We have to become great listeners of our kids. There are many nights that all I want to do is crawl in my bed and fall asleep with after I tuck my kids in. But Edie, that is when she's ready to talk. So I will crawl in bed with her and I will just listen and we have great conversation. Another way to build heart connection is through laughter. You want to have laughter in your home, however that looks for your family. Picking on one another, silly dancing, watching funny shows together. Do something that brings laughter. Another way to build heart connection is through love. Your kid needs tons of positive and safe touch. In fact... Besides infants, infants need the most touch, and that is really how they grow and develop. But apart from infants, teenage girls need the most physical touch from their fathers. I'm talking safe touches, hugs, love pats, cuddles, all the things that are good and healthy. They need them from their fathers, but fathers tend to back away during teenage years because of their body changing. So I just want you to know it is okay. Your children of all ages need lots of positive and safe touch touches. Tell them that you love them. Tell them what you love about them. Be their biggest cheerleaders. And the last L, so we have listen, laugh, and love. Our last L is to learn their interest and to participate in them. Newly um, has taken up golf recently. That is something that Edie was taking um 
learning in school and participating in and so newly got involved and this is what they do together now Edie and I like to go on hikes so we'll do that Salem loves puzzles I'm not about a puzzle but newly is so they will spend time doing that together and I will play board games and go on golf cart rides with her find ways to connect with your kids doing something that they love well we have talked about a lot today but it's not too much it's all important things as a parent so just a quick review We are going to look for moments daily to have God moments. That's just where we see on a TV show or in a magazine or in a conversation that something is opposite of our biblical worldview. And we share, we we teach our kids what truth is. We're also going to schedule a family night once a week. And we're going to have fun on our family night. We're going to discuss our faith as a family. And number three, we're going to establish heart connection. And we're going to do this by listening, laughing, loving, and learning about our kids' interests. Well, if you've been blessed by becoming a Bible nerd, there's several ways that you can help support us. First, you can subscribe to our podcast or always share what we put out on social media. That helps our reach get wider. You can also give by going to www.becomingabiblenerd.com and clicking on the giving link. And you can always give us feedback. We love hearing from you. Your stories encourage us. They also help us prepare for future segments. So I will be taking the next two weeks off while I serve with my family in Kenya, but I will be back June 30th. So thank you. I just ask you to share this this podcast with your friends, tag your friends, share it on social media. We'll see you next week and happy, or see you in, in, in two weeks. Happy reading.